This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. If you visit Detroit, if you are from Detroit, or if you live in Detroit, you never knew all this culture was alive and thriving here. This is the Detroit is Different Festival. October 24th through October 27th, join us at the inaugural Detroit is Different Festival at the Andy Arts, 3000 Finkel Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, 48238. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com different.com and get your tickets today. You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast on the Detroit is different podcast network. Podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter on Detroit is Different. And we have had a couple of weeks of hiatus after all those great events. And I'm in the studio with our token millennial. It's been so long. <sighs> What's up, Brittany? How are you? I'm good, Pipe. So you had some topics that you wanted us to dig into really quickly. What's been going on in the world these days? Oh, my gosh. Quite a few things. Like uh- what? Uh, let's start with our sister Toni Morrison. I think it's only right. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny. I went to pick up Tar Baby. Like I randomly picked it out. Like mm-hmm. I always try to like close my eyes and then pick out a book to read. And mm-hmm. Tar Baby came in my hand. And right. then like a day after she passed, I was like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? So that means I need to like really, really consciously and intentionally really get into her work. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to give her some love. Um, Maybe we give her like a couple of seconds of silence. All right, let's do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Toni Morrison. Mm -hmm. That's really, really, really powerful. It's interesting. Um, a lot of the next generation knows who she is. So that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw on Twitter, I was like, okay, (laughs) the kids know who she is. That's awesome. Yeah. She, um, she was, she was in a lot of our public school systems, but I mean, I think a lot of her work is just beautiful work. Like, Mm. so you're in that crowd where, you know, I think we were talking about it yesterday. It's so important for us to go back and do our homework. And I think a lot of us are starting to realize how important that is for us mm. to be true artists. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about African World Fest, Piper. Oh, yeah. So, shouts out to Mama and Gia Kai shouts and out. the Charles H. Wright Museum and um, just all the black people in Detroit <laughs> and everyone from the diaspora. It was really, really great. 
So um, we know all the challenges that have happened with the museum over this year and last year. And one of the major challenges is that the festival cost $500,000 to produce. Wow. And the board didn't raise any money for the festival on purpose. And so peop- there's been, you know, they've been trying to get rid of the festival for years because there's like these different contingencies of types of black folks, the kind that bring Thomas Jefferson into the museum. And so um, that's the struggle, right, that's been there. And so it's difficult, you know, for Mama and Gia to produce because as a, um, you know, person in the community, the community members look to her when she's trying to just make a festival happen, mm. make sure that there is a festival and folks are looking to her um, and saying, okay, well, I want this rate or that rate or I want to be paid, which is fair because you should be paid for your work. But the complexity is that, you know, um, that's kind of what what folks are banking on is that people won't participate if they're not paid. So it's literally like a combination of like telling folks like, hey, you know, we really want you to participate and be a part of this festival. But then understanding, hey, if you can't do it, you can't do it. Right. So it's just it's just I'm really happy that it happened. Yeah. And I'm really happy that um, it was very successful despite all the challenges. Yeah. And we just uh, work. You know, we have a new president and he's really pleased with, you know, um, what's going on. And so um, just keeping all things on the positive, we're going to work with him to make sure that there's funding for the festival moving forward. Yes. Always. So. so time to start now for 2020. But yeah. I mean, isn't it incredible how every single year you're like, wow, Detroit is really 85% black. Like, whoa. Yeah. Like a <laughs> lot of black people, brown people, beautiful people in the space and it's just so beautiful to like witness every single year that we all come together yeah and we turn midtown out or yeah you know the i, I think there's actually a name for that part of yeah. midtown right what it's is the it cultural called? center cultural center sorry so but also too with that what's really important is that so the dia has some i don't know hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever to redo the cultural center so they're they're working or they're going to be the center of the cultural center and so um, lots of money has come in for them to basically envision that. And so that's, what, um, that's, that's what's happening moving forward. And so they've pulled together all of the um, arts organizations that are there. So it's like CCS, the Charles H. Wright, like everything that's there, including some architects and developers from France who have done a whole plan. And so they're redoing that area. And so moving forward, we're going to, see what they're creating as like a walkable cultural district. That's fair. Yeah. In two lanes. It's just, two lanes. Um, it's not necessarily equitable. Understood it. And so that's where we have to just stay the course <laughs> and make sure that, you know, black folks aren't erased or that, you know, we're not uplifting more Thomas Jefferson. Understood. And saying that Sally Hemings and him were in a committed, loving relationship. Understood. Consensually, and we're lovers. Like, we have to, like, not do that. That's what we have to not do. Agreed. Right? Like, moving forward. So, um, but with folks that are from, you know, that 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 consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Like, a lot, it's difficult to have other people that have positions 
to buck against that because they're looking at the money and they're looking at, oh, this is going to bring money to our city, money to our institution. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to preserve your culture in the way that is healthy for your children. Right. Yeah. And so that's what we have to do. That's our job. Right. Yeah. We can't charge our oppressor with that. That's our that's our position. I'm with you. Right. Right. So it's funny you mentioned that, but before I digress into the next topic, the last topic um, is is how beautiful your fashion show was. Oh, yeah. And, thank um, you. That, I can't take any credit. I was the coordinator and organizer. Excuse me. But all of those, show. yeah, all of those designers, they did all that. I didn't make any, that stitch of clothing. <laughs> I, understand I, I made that. sure everything came together and was organized and on time and contacted people and that. But they made the clothes. Um, those were their ideas. The dancers, you know, the, the choreography, all of that is someone else. Mm-hmm. I just make sure that it all comes together in a certain way. So. It was beautiful. Um, I told you I was enjoying some fried green tomatoes and, and some rice and got to see. Where'd you get fried green tomatoes from? I'm sorry. One of the trucks? Yeah, I just saw them, that they had them, and I was mm-hmm. really excited. Okay. It was really good. Okay, okay. Um, but, uh... It was beautiful. You guys did something different this year. You always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did the graphic design, which was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that I did. I can take credit for that. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, uh, it was seamless transitions, beautiful stage. That the I designers did. designers. Okay. <laughs> I can take credit for those things. Shout out to the band. Shout out yes. to the band. Yes. And shout out to um, the performer. Can you Danny please? Cassette. She was unreal. Wasn't on, they. On they? fire. Mm-hmm. I thought it was only one. I only no, no. Danny um, Danny's pronoun is they. Oh, excuse me. Yes. They. Uh-huh. Yeah. An incredible vocalist, dancer. And you know, they did um, Prince. Oh, my they God. They performed a Prince song and the band like really nailed it. I don't want to say kill because I'm an anti-violence, but <laughs> they nailed it. It was amazing. They they really did. Yeah. I mean, it was just so fun to just be there and to watch it. And it was it. all women. Mm-hmm. All, all women. women band. And, and from the violinist yes. to the bass yeah. to the pianist yep. um, to the drummer. Yep. Is my missing guitar someone? player. Guitar player. Yeah. Uh, amazing. 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 And and Pamela Wise is award winning, uh, renowned jazz pianist. And so we're very, very, very blessed that she even decided to do this and play with us. So. <laughs> and she sounded great. I was peeping her. I was like, oh, Pam. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> yeah. And she's so humble and awesome. So, yeah. Um. You want to share anything about this year's show that touched you, that you grew from? Yeah, we had um, Kiara Sheard in our show. So dope. Yeah, and she's doing clothing. She does clothing for plus-size women. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful. We had um, at least four plus-size designers, and it's really important um, that we have different body types and ages and things because we don't want to put forth one ideal of so-called beauty or one body type as being like that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and so for us it's important to have you know like I said um, different abilities different body types different you know ages um, sizes heights and um, people who make clothing for all of us right and so and and cultural clothing clothing you can wear to church clothing clothing you can wear to work to the to your meeting to the boardroom to you know to be your best self to galas so this is important that we 
you know, support black designers who are able to do this, right? We, we, we don't only have to go to Macy's. Like, there's people that are here that are, you know, that are artisans and they're doing great work. And, and we also had um, people from the diaspora, you know, Stella Safari is from the Congo. She had all of her clothing uh, made mm. in the Congo and shipped here. You know, Yamisi's from Nigeria. You know, um, Ola's from Nigeria. Um, the You know, um, Mel is from Liberia. So these designers, you know, made all of the, the clothing, you know, and had artisans on the continent make the clothing. Everything's handmade. is very valuable. So while folks are complaining about Gucci, we're sitting right here with super, super valuable, you know, talent and designers. And so yeah. we don't have to ever, ever shop at any of those places if we, if we choose not to. Right. So yeah. that's, that's important. That's an important message. So, so yeah. Um, I just, it was a great Piper. It's huge for the city. It represents Detroit. It feels like Detroit. You guys are very connected to Detroit. So. And I got to shout out Mama and Gia because it is her idea. It is her vision. So she she asks me to do the coordination, but mm. I just want to give honor and respect to where it's due, yes. you know, to our true visionary. So that's what's. And up. can you shout out Mama and Gia, the uh, cinematography movie that oh, you yes, were telling yes, us yes. about? Mama and Gia was the cinematographer for Daughters of the Dust, one of our most important films ever. Uh, it's one of the most important films, um, not just because it was directed by Julie Dash, a black woman, not just because Mom and, and Gia, who we love and, you know, very dearly was a cinematographer, but the content of the film mm-hmm. uh, really brought forth, um, you know, because when people think of uh, black people, sometimes they tend to only think of just like a monolithic people, <laughs> but we are so vast, just like the continent. Yes. And even here in the States, our mm-hmm. histories are so vast. And so they, it tells the story of the Gullah Geechee people. Okay. Right. And okay. um and, and those stories are very rare in um mm. in, in, in cinema in you know in into mainstream. And so that was a really important film, right, to, to, to get that history out there. And so it's a beautiful film, beautifully shot, great story. Um, you know, folks if you go to film school, um, which I did, they make you study like Birth of a Nation and I think Daughters of the Dust should be one of mm-hmm. those films that you study. Uh, in film school, um, in, in general, you should study in history class. Like, yeah, it's a really important film. I told you, it's on Netflix, isn't that right amazing? now? Right? Yeah, like I'm. I can't wait. Last yeah. night, I wasn't in the space to watch it, but I'm gonna watch it when <laughs> I know I'm in a. You know, when I'm yeah. when like you told me I need to pay attention. So yeah, well, last night or in the night. Yeah, yeah. But I really want to get into this other topic, but because we're talking about the arts and the combination of being, um, everything being in balance and in circle yeah. i'm so excited to talk to our guest yes. so we're gonna save Let's the last that. topic yeah yeah we'll and do that. Uh, i want to let you bring our guest in yeah so um this guest um i actually have the pleasure of having uh her most recent work mm-hmm. like on me and she sent it to me and i was able to read it and i'm really um honored that she sent it to me and i'm able to read it and it's um it's called bleeding fire and the subtitle says, um, tap the eternal spring of regenerative light. And it's conversations mm-hmm. in poetry and prose. And it's a really amazing, incredible, inspirational and fiery haha, book. Um, and yeah, let's bring on, I'm going to just bring her on because she's brought some guests and I want her to uh, allow her guests to speak as well. And so um, we have to like set the mood for her because she's an artiste and she's a visionary and she's a poet and she's a writer 
and she's an amazing, incredible spirit. Mm. Oh, thank you so much, Piper. And I want to say, considering, considering the present climate, I find myself adjusting my spectacles, my eyeglasses, a great deal as I encounter the latest absurdity du jour in a wave of micro, microaggressions. And the idea of the word microaggression is actually a double upside-down insult as there is nothing, nothing minor or micro about these aggressive assaults. One never knows when or why the next eyeglass adjustment will be necessary because lunacy seems to be mounting by the minute. When fools talk to me, adjusting my glasses affords me the extra two seconds, two seconds, two seconds necessary to assess, think, compartmentalize, remain silent, or speak clearly, or be kind and compassionate, or breathe, and breathe again, and breathe again, or run the entire U.S. history through my mind, flip cards bending and falling, falling to offer tutorials in systemic oppression on systemic everything, or make a date to do lunch in between broadcast murders of unarmed black men or laugh madly at the absurdity just uttered to my face or cry fire through my eyes or consider becoming a recluse or stab a poem in his heart or jump wildly into thick air, push off on the driving, diving board of ignorance into another dimension. You see, Piper, when fools talk to me, those two seconds of eyeglass adjustment give me the stillness required to pray. Call on the ancestors. Talk to them about Sister Sandra Bland, remember my training. Light candles. Expose illusions of power. Make an incision. An incision. A topographical deconstructionist cross-section slit around the throat of fake democracy. Yeah, that's what I need to do. Two seconds, you know. Two seconds, you know, to do a lobotomy on false... Scripture, carbon date the madness, know the lie, pardon the brainwashed messenger bearing toxins for they not know, they not know what they say or do. Disengage, rally the angels, take cover, kaboom, false evidence appearing real because they know exactly what they do. Liquify an ultraviolet brilliance. Transform into the sun a glowing cauldron winged woman floating on an electric carpet above it all. When two seconds is all I need when fools talk to me. Those two seconds are perspective in formation. Certainty lining up on Mercury, 
Saturn satellites transmit gamma ray energy to my private electromagnetic field as I sit in the neon sky on an infrared chariot in my corner office. As I walk down the street, past a cave of buried choke holding policies, and I sling, shoot, boomerang, shoot, boomerang, shoot, boomerang, boom, bop, 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 bop. One million microaggressions from my orbit, repelled like projectile vomiting over indigenous rainbow, like a sports foul out of bounds that snags on the edge of jagged clouds. And Ray Charles, hmm. Ray Charles sings, hit the road, hit the road, hit the road, yeah, yeah, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more. Oh, yeah, and Ray Charles singing. The axis of our planet straightens at this point. Untruths that pollute, they bow, 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 bow down and disintegrate into the debris of a sneeze. Achoo! The atmosphere is activated. The moon, my ride and die, pulls water strings up. The sea high fives in a wave gesture as hate evaporates. Gravity genuflects. There is a hierarchical reset. Like I said, there needs to be a hierarchical reset. There is a reset and nature is taking over. Me and swag dance around the shrinking fool, the fool sitting across from me, shrinking like reverse osmosis, shrinking like a wart in a TV advertisement. He is one foot tall now. The insulting, non-relevant, inconsequential fool Fool of supposed unintended assaults. The microaggression maker to all things decent and good is shrinking. He is the size of a dog biscuit now. One half inch now. Two millimeters now. He is so small. So tiny. I lower my eyeglasses and peer at this teeny, tiny, corrupted, ill-guided soul who once wore the smirk of privilege. I watch it unwind until its birth, until it disappears, vanishes, poof, gone. All I need, all I need is two seconds, two seconds to adjust these spectacles. You see, when fools... (laughs) When fools talk to me, magical things happen, like cosmic power things happen. But I need at least two seconds, two seconds, and some very large eyeglasses. Samaj Brown. That's Samaj Brown. Amazing, right? Yeah. Beautiful reading, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that is from her book, Bleeding Fire. Tap the eternal spring of regenerative 
light conversations in poetry and prose. And I'm glad you read that one because I really love prose, although I grew up in poetry and I was really hoping you were going to read a prose, but I didn't want to, you know, like be like, read this one, read that one, because I just wanted to see which one you would read. And I'm really happy you read that one um, in particular. Yeah, so thank you for that. So, and this, and this piece that you just read, is that a new piece that went in this new book or was that a previous piece that you decided to put in this new book? That's a great question. It's a new piece and I wrote it. Uh, I find myself writing on Facebook. Mm. So I had taken a picture of, you know, people have been teaching me about these selfies, right? Okay. So, and uh, you need more, you need more pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So I took a picture of myself with my very large eyeglasses on mm. and I was pulling them down. And when I looked, I was surprised because when I looked at the picture, I was very perturbed. And I said, what was I thinking about? Oh, mm. I said, I was thinking about that fool. Mm. I remember. I remember that fool. Mm. And so I started typing to go along with the picture about these so-called microaggressions, which, of course, is a misnomer within itself because mm. how can aggression be micro? Mm. I mean, they're very, very, very serious, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so even the language that we use to try to define our own um, oppression needs to be redefined. Mm. Because we're using the language that they gave us to talk about what's going on with mm. us and what they're doing. So we have to come up with our own language. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where poets and linguists and mm. people, and that's where the neighborhood comes in. Because I love our creative language. We've been using it. And, mm. You know, language is music, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We just create. And so. then I wanted to ask you, because I saw where you s- explained in your book how your husband describes you. But I just wanted people to hear how you would describe yourself. Like if someone were to say, uh, Samaj Brown is? I think I'm a um, thinker. Mm. I'm a thinker. And I'm a creator. And I create many things. From poetry, to books, to curriculum. I'm a synthesis person. Mm -hmm. I take many different genres and put them together and create something else. Mm. I am a, I believe and I know that art and science are one. Mm-hmm. And so I create from that vantage point. I have a background in biology and lots of chemistry and a background, of course, in literature and music and theater. All of it is the same to me. Mm-hmm. So when I hear words, I hear music, I see color. Mm. It's all the same. And I think everybody would if we if our systems were not so um, compartmentalized and operating out of this pedagogy of false structures. Mm. So I'm a deconstructionist, but I'm also a synthesis at the same time. Mm-hmm. Poet, artist, scientist. Wow. I love it. Me too. Mm-hmm. Can, can, could, could we call you an Afro, Afrofuturist? You know, that's so interesting, that term, because, um, so I started looking up the term, right? I said, oh, I said, this is what we were doing. (laughs) I said, they gave it a new term. I said, well, that's cool. I said, I'm a funketeer. Okay. I'm a funketeer forever. And, you know, Mm. George Clinton, um, that was, that's my era. I came Mm -hmm. up with that. And so, yeah. I saw you quoted him in the book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the One Nation Under Groove. Because I am a funketeer forever. Yes. All you funketeers out there, you know. It's, it's you know what it's about, you know. We mm-hmm. we've been up on the mothership. Yeah, we went up on the mothership. Yeah. So and so that's inside of us, right? 
And I saw you quoted uh, Khalil Gibran. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. My, one of my muses. Yeah. It got me through a very difficult time in my life. Khalil, uh, Rumi, and um, um, who's the other one? It's, it's three of them that I named. Oh, Pablo Neruda. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, some of my favorite poets are Jane Cortez and Tazaki Shange. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I grew up on the Bar Outside Press Legacy Poets. That was like my nursery rhymes, you know, my mother. And this book is on Broadside Press. The, the legendary Broadside Press, which I see that Dr. Gloria House, affectionately known to us as Mama Aneb, uh, wrote not only the foreword, but also... It wasn't the foreword? No, she, she's the editor. She's the editor. So she's okay, the so editor. She, she edited it. Yes, Dr. Brown. Uh, I'm getting my... Dr. Brown, my husband, Dr. James Brown, wrote the foreword. Okay, yes, you wrote the foreword. Yes, yes. right. And um, I wrote the preface, and then she was the editor. Okay, and who wrote the epilogue? I wrote the epilogue. You, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. That's, can I just tell you that's my favorite? Really? Yeah, that's what I... I, I was going to ask you like, if you didn't have something. I was like, can you read this epilogue? But you already read uh, the other prose, so uh, this that's, is like great. Well, the epi- Maybe when the, we end. The, re- the reason I was going to ask. The reason why the epilogue <laughs> is in the book is yeah. because of my husband. Oh, okay, okay, I, and, okay. And I guess I could just say this. What, what do you, I was going to introduce you. Yeah. I think you should go ahead and read that. that <laughs> Some oh, okay. of it anyway. That's Dr. James. That's a nice yeah. segue. Uh, uh, that's Dr. James Brown. That's, yeah. That's the right. James Brown. That's right. And, right? Yes, Our sir. James Brown. That's right. That's right. <laughs> He's a family physician, board certified family mm. physician, medical doctor. He's also a uh, uh, artist in the visual artist in the outsider movement and well as well as an instrument. Uh, inventor, he invented this instrument which is phenomenal called the R balloon. It's made from tree branches found in our backyard and it's a, it sounds like a cross between something you've never heard, between a cello and a bass and something otherworldly. And there's about 15 R balloons now, right, darling? Yeah. Oh, so it's, 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 it's amazing. So, and we got a chance to hear and see him play it. And it was simply incredible. And it I reminds it. me of, um, of one of those, I don't know the name of it, but it's a tribal instrument they mm-hmm. use in Australia. Uh, the Aborigine use it, and it reminds me of this. Uh, it's like a the, the dig, digerid, How do you how do you pronounce dig, it? Digidu. It's like it's, it looks almost very yeah. exactly like that, and it has almost a very similar sound. But it's isn't it like a rain? It's, it's a instrument. It's a, Doesn't is it supposed to bring rain? <laughs> well, it hasn't rained yet, so okay, maybe okay. not on this one. But <laughs> maybe the uh, indigenous instruments in Australia uh, bring rain. Um, the reason I'd like for Samaris to read uh, that uh, the epilogue is, uh, or, or parts of it, is it, it's a it's a wonderful piece that uh, people have been reading her book in different ways. Some mm. read uh, just the poetry, and then they'll start it at the beginning. I'm just hoping that people actually get to the end to to read this piece. So why don't you introduce that piece sometime during this podcast? I, I think, it, you know, we're doing a podcast, so I think it's fine to read the whole thing. Because people that listen to our show, they're listeners. They're going to listen. And we have people from all over the world. And they love Detroit. They love Detroiters. And, they, and they're, they're thinkers and they're listeners. So I think it's fine. You can read the entire thing. All righty, then we will shall we shall read the epilogue. This is a big surprise. Okay, great. <laughs> and uh, it's the the title is "Social Justice Eats the Entire Pie," uh, spelled P-I with the symbol for pie. Arguing. 
for integrated interdisciplinary pedagogy. Amphibians understand social justice principles. Their understanding is exhibited by restraint. Consider this Native American wisdom. A frog does not drink up the pond in which it lives. In addition, the frog will not pour toxic waste into the pond. The frog will not manufacture additive, addictive sugar drinks. Aggressively advertise them as alternatives mm. to water. Feed those drinks to guppies and then watch their guppy babies swell into preventative diseases. A frog, a frog will not deny the scourge of climate change as it, as it is being cooked alive by carbon dioxide emissions. No. That frog will not attend university, study glacial water science, and never once examine the impact of polar thaw on the disenfranchised Inuit people. But then, what does a frog know? Perhaps the frog knows not to make indiscriminate distinctions between science and art. And perhaps it knows not to create constructs of academic hierarchy that result in the truncated pedagogy of competition and disconnection rather than cooperation and interconnection. To date, it is still a matter of debate exactly what frogs know, but all agree a frog knows not to drink up the pond in which it lives. The earth, the earth as community is a dynamic organism, a free living thing. Her constituents, elements, and social groupings suspend like an evolving cell in a naturally occurring universe. Earth's spontaneity evokes scholarship. It is a mystery to be investigated by science, explored and expanded by art. The science to which I refer is not hard or soft, nor is it natural or social but science without the peril of partition. The segmenting off of physical science, life science, justice science, and the arts or art science engenders schisms that foster a calcified conceptualization of natural phenomena. Fragmented theories and non-reflective policies give rise to the decline of diverse populations. Hence, the extinct Titicaca water frog, the shattered communities of urban blight, and the anonymity of rural deprivation, tentacles of discontinuity are systemic, extending from university to legislature to corporate structures to the justice system 
and on. Social science provides. Social science provides. Social science provides the moral compass, the critical balance to technological and scientific advances, separating social science and by extension social justice from so-called natural sciences of chemistry, earth science, astronomy, life science, and physics promotes innovation without concern for consequence. It promotes innovation without concern for consequence. Even the arena of business would be enhanced by the inclusion of the sciences and arts. Such such an amalgam would foster a panoramic corporate consciousness that is sustainable and profitable without the stain of exploitation. To be human, to be human is to be of nature, a point of view which is not reflected in the classification model of our current educational systems. I assert the study of social justice is a natural science and should not be relegated to confines of social science. Likewise, so-called natural sciences are indeed social. After all, humans are as naturally occurring as a frog or any ionized atom studied in chemistry. This is undeniable. The human body is a magnum conductor of electricity and humans are as naturally occurring as a molecule of H2O. We mortals, like the Earth's surface, are comprised of 75% water and are thus walking, talking rivers. Humans even organize themselves into supercharged clusters called families. Similarly, electromagnetic fields gather socially, directly impacting our natural existence. Moreover, social justice is as rigorous and complex as a discipline as quantifiable as physics. In fact, we are the definition of physics. The study of matter moving through space across time exposed to heat and energy. That's us. This is the description of the migration of people across drought lands where the matter in question is humans and the temperatures extreme. Time, technology, and the challenges of this millennium necessitate the removal of blinders. Silo thinkers and the linear policies that breed are obsolete. It is the charge of the sentient being to usher in fusion paradigms. The call for fundamental structural changes in the current knowledge industry is paramount. Imagine learning through the diameter of a circle 
of awareness where piercing across the circle, the diameter is the intersection of multiple genres, a sort of pi equals 3.14 representation of academic studies, where pi is the ratio of the circumference of a circle. The circle as selected subject matter to the diameter, seemingly disparate genres. So we're going to mix up all the genres That's what it's saying. We're going to mix them all up because they're all the same, but expressing the same thing in different ways. Mm. Ultimately, we students of the universe vie for something beyond interconnectedness. We vie for the recognition that in every subject matter, there is extant, there is alive, all subject matter. This is the reality. As in the quark of the macrocosm, there exists the identical quark of the microcosm. The sameness in particulate supports a fundamental paradox. Homogeneity traverses the natural sphere of diversity. So we talk about diversity a great deal It's every, we're always talking about it, but in all of that diversity, there's all this sameness. And so that's what this is saying. It says, in the kernel of this understanding, there is a dissolution formula, a process that unhinges the vile percepts of xenophobia and its violent parade of isms. To grow a planet of techies surrounded by a sub set island of artisy types with social scientists orbiting the stratosphere and commercialization rivaling gravitational force is much like trying to grow a garden where the soil is to the left, the seeds are to the right, the sun is in a box, water somewhere over the rainbow, only then collectively and inharmoniously We grieve the absence of a verdant harvest. In the innovative, imagined space of social justice, in the innovative, imagined space of social justice, clarification is crystallized. Apprentices of the universe understand gerrymandering of academic canons. We realize margins are but constructs similar to other margin-making inventions. The making of race, the designer poverty, the abhorrent dissection of people to form a Tutsi, a Hutu, the invention and mass distribution of plastics, the turning of water into a commodity, a poison, a war. If ever there is a resolution toward the whole, a a coalescence of that which has been ripped apart, a reverse combination, it will happen in the realm of social justice. Social justice is magnetic ground where extreme disciplines can reunify and speak the common language of natural phenomenon. As an open harbor, 
the gravitational need to resolve to the whole, to turn to origins and break down contrived borders is unstoppable. All stretched rubber bands eventually collapse into themselves or they break. When art recognizes itself as science and has conversation, miraculous things happen. When math speaks literature, transformations conspire. Walls fall when dance knows it is a moving constellation of cosmos, connective tissue doing the boogie-woogie of economic global commerce. Art is magnifying glass and microscope. It is biofeedback. It renders the hard data. Artists are scientific messengers, the griots, the recontours, the jesters, the observers of the day. Quantum wave theory and social justice both rise in the ocean of imagination. They are carved poetry, a centrifuge of persistent extractor and editor of false assumptions and unsupported hypothesis. Together, they conjure, they conjoin the spectrum of human potential and rush into the fertile gulf of possibility. There is an ebb and a flow between inspiration and calculation. When social justice is art, the community learns the quantum mechanics of glass-blowing destiny, transforming the dilapidated sands from urban and Appalachia decay into reimagined vessels of measurable light. Like a tenacious muse, Social, social justice movements instigate toward freedom, drawing a path similar to phototropic plants that follow the arc of the sun from the east to the west. Social justice is a global march of imagination straight from the artist's laboratory. The power to reimagine one's condition is innate as primal as species reproduction, or the quest for liberty, communal capacity dreams, and then paints those dreams into a new cultural formation onto a self-determined canvas. This is masterful experimentation. The yield? Music of homeostasis, choir, of croaking frogs and the harmony of access in healthy, sustainable societies. Samaj Brown, Bleeding Fire, Tap the Eternal Spring of Regenerative Light Conversations in Poetry and Prose from your newest work. Incredible. I'm not kissing butt at all. (laughs) But you are like, it's funny, this list is going around top 50 rappers. Everybody's been talking about the last few weeks. You are my top 
favorite point. Like you're number one on my list. Oh, you have simplified the human issues and. Thank you. I'm not joking. You are a mate. Like, who are you? Like, in your past life, like, <laughs> you so eloquently stated everything that I have. Like, you mentioned that, you know, you sometimes you get fickle minded or frustrated when you replay the American history back in your head. And then you just eloquently stated everything about it. That is, I don't even, it was beautiful. Thank Thank you for that. Thank you for writing that. Thank you for existing. That was beautiful. That's my, that's my favorite piece. Like I was able to, um, dig into the book today and, and read from the cover to cover. And that was my favorite. That piece right there. But I, I love, why. I'm a prose person. Okay. So I'm going to out myself. That, Piper, what does that mean? <laughs> okay. That the lines <laughs> are not in a way that match a rhythm. Okay. Or, um, accounting, a, 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 a right? Like accounting rhythm as in uh, what we would call stanzas. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, in that it is, you know, there's an aesthetic and there is a, I guess there's a rhythm. It's different. It's not, it would be more like an internal rhythm. I don't know, but it's not as, you know, where you can count this, this beat on this word and that beat on that word, or whether the consonants repeat themselves or whether the vowels repeat themselves. So it's not the pattern that you see in what, what people know as poetry okay right it's a it's it is poetry is another form of poetry understood you know just like haiku is a whole nother form okay of poetry so this so prose is is a is a a form okay yeah thanks so yeah so that was deep well thank you so much yeah yeah yeah. we have another guest thank you so much and then it wouldn't have been thank you that was really beautiful right yeah that wasn't that fruitful yes Thank you. It's yeah. amazing. My husband had me put it in the book. Yeah, good yeah. choice. In fact, I'm going to say this. My husband, this wouldn't be a book. I wouldn't have a book. I had no intention of making it. That's what you said. No, was it yeah. you or it was in the beginning? It's in the beginning, yeah. And when you, when you talked about how, that. I just want to talk about how this book came about. Yeah, yeah. That was a really cool story. Um, it's like this. It's so one day uh, my husband said, um, why don't you have a book? And I thought, what? What are you talking about? I wasn't talking about books. We weren't talking about anything. I said, what do you mean? Why I don't have a book. I don't have a book because I don't have a book. You know, I have, I have my story cookbook from the Planet Kingdom. I said, but um, I didn't have a book. Of your, he said, your poetry, of your writing, your academic writing, your, your prose, your recipes, your everything. And I said, well, I, I thought, it flashed in my mind what I was doing. Oh, I had a million things to do, big stuff, taking care of ill folk, um, huge things, projects I was responsible for. And I said, I have no time to write a book, right? And so... And and then he was so um, <clears throat> adamant and had so much energy toward it. I thought, what's going on with you, right? So then later, another time at dinner, he's being very sophisticated. And he said, you know, darling, I'm thinking about you in this book. You know, the, the ramifications of the blah, blah, blah. I was like, he's back on this book thing again, you know? <laughs> he, and he, he started, kept doing it. All different types of ways. He approached it from all different ways so he could get through to me. Because mm-hmm. I was not going to write well, a book. Well, repetition is the key, right? Yeah, it is. And, 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 and variation. Because he would, he would vary okay. each time. Okay. Repetition and variation. So finally, after maybe about 20 attempts or more over time, with this, you know, pitching this idea about this book, it finally, I started to hear him. Mm. <laughs> That's just something about me, doesn't it? <laughs> but I started to hear him and I just was really still. And I said, okay, 
it'll be called bleeding fire. Tap the eternal spring of regenerative light. And I told him, I'm going to write a book, and that's what it's going to be called. Mm-hmm. And so we had to put it together very quickly. I had a date at the Charles Wright. I had been invited mm-hmm. to do something at the Charles Wright. And so I started working on this, and that was May 18th of 2019. Right? Like three months ago? Wait, what? Four months? Yeah, and I had, <laughs> I had a short period of time mm-hmm. to get this book together, like um, about... I started in earnest probably in December. Did it spew out of you? Did it, did it just come out? How was that process? So I had some poems from old. Okay. I had some olden poems that I included. And then I had a lot of new poems and then mm. the prose had to be written. And some of the journeys are p- totally painful. Mm. It's like I didn't want to go there. Because I had to, I've, it's this, po- this book is part memoir, mm. part social commentary, and part magical realism. So at some points you may be reading something and then all of a sudden it goes off into like a fantastical spiritual sphere and it brings you back to the reality of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes there's really no way to ex- explain, um, for me to explain or to capture oppression other than putting it in a form of mythology or spirituality where you almost have to leave your body mm-hmm. to conceive it because it's so... It's bigger than our imagination. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine chattel slavery, really. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of come outside of yourself to go there and mm-hmm. then return. And I've got pieces that actually go there. And I, it's not anything I relish doing. Understood. Because I don't want to be stuck in the bottom of the middle of the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And that's always my prayer when I do historical work like that. Historical work. Could you just explain or unpack what you mean by that? Just so people understand. Sure. Um, there's a piece called Mother Ocean. Right. And that, that, that we got a chance to see that right. in 2017. That's right. Mm-hmm. And this character, so I create characters. And I don't, she wasn't on the list, so I didn't have it there. But this is so wonderful to try to find her. It, was, it in the begin, was it in the middle? I, was, it's, I, was, it's like, I remember uh, reading it when uh, I was going through... Your book, um, and just while you're trying to find that, so the book is a combination of prose and rhythmic poetry. Okay, and like she's saying, um, there are <laughs> characters that are in here. There, it's some of it is the uh, you know told from a storytelling you know, perspective. So, um, have you found it? Yes, I have. Okay. Okay. It's called Mother Ocean and it's called, uh, it's from, it was inspired by Jerry Talaferro's exhibit called The Making of a New Tribe that was at the Flint Institute of Arts. And I, this uh, was inspired and it says, I talked to the ocean. I asked Mother Ocean, how long, how long after Middle Passage did it take to heal your daughters? Make them whole. How did you shape this distinct, beautiful creation? Mother Ocean answered with serenity. It's been 400 years. I sculpted them from promise. They were complete in the beginning, throughout and remain whole today. Their memory was stolen. Their memory was stolen. 
could not remember gold of Benin or family compounds, Acabulon antiquity birthing science, Moorish Spain, Timbuktu world center of trade and scholarship, or origins of Iron Forge French Quarter, could not remember the military brilliance of Queen Nzinga or the original tongues of Fula and Yoruba. The waves began to swell and break. Mother Ocean continued. I fashioned each death new. Molded feminine fluid into flesh. Pooling ancient memories floating in time. They were recreated from the scarring flow of centuries formed by amniotic river that pulse their veins. They speak the language of water now. And water is spirit and spirit. Spirit remembers. I am the ocean spirit remembering when they cannot. Water is spirit. And spirit remembers. I am the ocean spirit remembering when they cannot. My daughters, my daughters came to me, Mother Ocean, as cargo in chains, on death vessels that heave frothy blood in the crest of their waves. My daughters came to me, Mother Ocean, shredding skin, decomposing wounds, fodder for sea monsters and new world rapists. Millions. And millions, 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 collapsed into the inconceivable lap of violating current, descended to maritime grave, asphyxiated on the whore of what was yet to suffer. On my ocean floor, I rock them in a crucible seaweed and succor, coddle them in the ebb of coral incantations, or I wash them with those two aquatic lovers, hydrogen and oxygen. I cleaned and christened, purified and baptized their white bone skeletons in briny blessed assurance. And as ocean... As ocean, I followed that tide of dripping gore across myself to the shore of servitude. I never left my daughters. I persisted in all my forms, sometimes water vapor whispering dignity. Sometimes hailstorm summoning the strength of Ella Baker ancestors. And it goes on. It goes Samaj on. Samaj Brown. You. Samaj Brown. Bleeding Fire. T- 
tap the eternal spring of regenerative light conversation in poetry and prose. And this is from, this is actually a piece that was, that you were, that you said was previously written that you've included in this book. That's right. It was written in 2017. Mm. It was written in 2017. Beautiful. Have I, you considered doing this as an animation? I could totally see this as a Disney say, animation. I could see, yeah, me like, too. I was, I was envisioning like Lion King, mm-hmm. you know, or something. And her like being like on like, you know how like uh, National Geographic when they do those mm-hmm. beautiful documentaries? Like, yes. I could see you, I could see, it's, you could do a vast of things with that. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's wonderful because mm-hmm. Mother Ocean, she stays with us and she does come here with us and mm. it goes all the way to present day Flint water crisis. Mm. Which you're currently in Flint. Yes, my husband and I live in Flint. We've been living in Flint. His medical practice is in, was in Flint for years and years and years and we've been doing so much community service in Flint. And do you want to say something about all the community service we did in Flint, Dr. Brown? Yes, I'll start with the... 75 workshops you gave at the area churches beginning in 2006. Hmm. Um, the, uh, you work with the YWCA there, um, uh, faced, uh, faith access to F-A-C-E-D. I can't remember the acronym yeah. right now. Uh-huh. Um, you organized, um, conception, we conceptualized, but really you, you just put my name on it. The, uh, the Freedom from Fat Conferences. And but, you, made, but, you, but you sponsored it. Well, <laughs> yeah, the you brought the paid, money. <laughs> you, you, you sponsored it. it. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and, uh, and uh, we, what we did was we actually changed the, uh, the perception in Flint mm. in terms of what's possible in terms of health. Mm. In fact, uh, there was... Uh, uh, there was a, the radio show. There was a radio show. Two, uh, two radio shows. Okay. Uh, Samaj wrote copy for the uh, Cumulus radio show, and we were on a gospel station. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was asked the doctor. Asked the doctor live calling like this. Yeah. Oh, great. People would say some of everything. I'm sure. I that, had to be ready. That's right. That's right. why we don't do calling. <laughs> <laughs> got to be ready on the calling. Yeah. I had to tell you a funny story. One time, okay, we're on Cumulus, right? And we're doing um, the Freedom from Fat radio broadcast the Dr. James Brown. I would, say, I would say, it's the Dr. James Brown Freedom from Fat radio broadcast. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. We had all these bits mm. we would do, right? And then I had this segment called What's for Dinner, Mrs. Brown. Wonderful. That's so cool. We're vegetarian. So I had all these vegetarian recipes and I was putting together. I, at that time, I wasn't putting together a book. But um, a book came out of it and so did a CD. And so did a, yeah, it was a one-woman play. I was make, I was playing all these different characters. Like Wonderful. Gangster, vegetable smuggler. I love it. And, uh, you know, all, all these just this funny stuff. So it came about because one day I had to come down to Detroit, take care of business. And I was really late. I was going to be late for the broadcast, right? Mm. And, um, you know, five, four, three, two, one action. And I hadn't done my research mm. on, the, on these vegetables. And so I said, he said, so, Mrs. Brown, what was it like today? What did, you know, what do you have for us for dinner? And I said, oh, Dr. Brown, I'm so, so sorry, but I was in the garden and I, I'm not prepared because I'm so frazzled because the onions attacked me. Right. And so he said, what, Mrs. Brown? <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, yes, yes, those, yes, they're a bunch of pungent. And I started talking about how they were pungent yeah. and spicy and yeah. they attacked me. And 
all these different stories were brought out the, the, mm. after that. And there was tornado soup and all kinds of things happened mm. after that. And so that was a, that was that a lot of fun. fun. It was a lot of fun. That's you guys have cool. a very cool um, connection. Yeah. How did yeah. you guys meet? Is it okay for me to ask? We met right here. Oh, you want, yes, you want to tell you that? It's my time to lend my <laughs> perspective. Go ahead, Dr. Brown. There was a poetry spot on, on John R. called uh, Peak's Perspective. And I saw this sister with the most beautiful round eyes. And I look at her. She's sitting across the way. And every time I I look at her, she would turn away like she wasn't noticing. (laughs) And for for the next year, you know, I I hadn't made full doctor yet. You know, you have to pass all these tests. So I was living, you know, I was going to uh, Cafe Mahogany and and uh, Peace Perspective, uh, Coffee and Cream, all over the place. Everybody was doing that. But uh, Samaj's poetry was different. The first poem I heard her do was These Needy Men. And the thing about it (laughs) is that uh, I didn't understand a word she was talking about because (laughs) I wasn't on that level yet. Mm. I really wasn't. It took me... To act in her play called Womb Talk. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the thing is they 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 were they were rehearsing and and the uh, the actor the main actor uh, he he didn't he didn't pull he didn't he didn't come through. Yeah. So two weeks before showtime. Um, I said, well, I think I can do this. All those oh years of medical school, <laughs> I had to remember all this and through through uh, learning all these. Uh, and that's, you have to read this book because the thing is, it'll it'll expand your mind. And I don't know how I was able to to memorize all that, but maybe a year or two later, I started painting. I never mm. painted before. Yeah, you know, so it opened you up. Yeah, it did. A few years later, mm-hmm. I go out into the backyard and I saw this tree branch. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we have this little group called Epiphanies of Sound. That's right. Palau and, and, yeah. and, and the Reggie Abstract. And we needed another sound. So I, I, I created that. Actually, it was for, the first Our Balloon was for Samaj's play. Mm. It was a it staff, was by, a staff. For a la- it was supposed to be a staff for Lady, a character called Lady Laguma. Mm-hmm. That's right, right, right. And so, like the legume beans. It, right. it was too large. That staff was That's too right. large. <laughs> so that staff I put to the side. And that became the first R balloon. Mm. And so earlier, Pop, you were saying it was like a, a didgeridoo. Well, I don't believe the didgeridoo has any strings. This has strings. It has strings. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's you, part, you were talking about the sounds the, the, of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. The look of it, too, you know. Or the look. Of, yeah, yeah that, that first one. But mm-hmm. the thing is, we met at Peace Perspective. Let me get back to your... your no, this <laughs> is beautiful. I'm on the, I'm on the right. At Peace Perspective. Mm-hmm. And so for the next year, every time I saw Samaj... She, you know, this was her. You know, this is actually she had a book, a chat book at the time, a little tiny book called mm. uh, "Dancing Shoes on Fire." Oh. I said, I didn't know what you to say. You love fire, yeah. And I, I didn't know what to say to <laughs> Everything her. Everything is fire. Everything is fire. By ocean, you know, by, by fire. Yeah. fire. Yeah. Yeah, Bleeding uh, fire. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not Dancing <laughs> shoes on fire. Yeah. You, in, in fact, you were known There's as a lot the of fire poems poet. in here called "Fire." <laughs> you know, Flame. Are you, you a fire poet? I know. I was called the fire poet back in the day. Okay. 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 Time, every so, time I saw so Samaj... That's why I had to write about water. So I okay, right, right, right. Water. right, right. Every time I saw Samaj, I say, I don't have any money for your book, sister. <laughs> and years later, when we got married, she, she told me how mad that made her. <laughs> <laughs> I 
about 20 times. $10. Uh-huh. $10. If it was $10. Yeah. I didn't know what to say to her. You know, I didn't. I said, this sister's deep. You know, <laughs> she's heard everything. Yeah. Only thing I can come up with, I don't have money for your book. <laughs> but so what funny. did you say? That's what I said. I don't have money <laughs> for your hook, book. That was the hook, That hooked her? No. No, no. No, that made me mad. A poem. What happened? Oh, I know. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> We took a trip. No, no, uh, not there. What are you talking well, about? She's talking about what got me. Well, we, I don't know. You have to answer that. <laughs> we were at uh, Bert's place. Okay. Right, right, right. The and legendary Bert's the place. The legendary yeah. Bert's place. And Bilal had asked me to come and read. Okay. And um, I had brought one of my sisters with me who's very conservative. And... Um, one of the young people got up on stage and he had his locks and he said, we got the, um, he's the elders are here. And at that time I didn't realize I was an elder. And so, um, <laughs> so I, was, I was looking around and he said, he said, I'm so happy. We're going to give it up for Samaj. And I was like, ooh, it's me. <laughs> so, so it was really funny. And so he said, so this poem is dedicated to her and he really mm. meant well, but it was a lot of profanity. Oh man. He, he kept ry- rhyming with shun. So I felt very grieved because I'm an educator Mm. and I knew this is that I hadn't had him as a student and that that it was terrible that our children, even though he was 20, even though he was still my child, he didn't, the system has failed them. Yeah. And so I, you know, I got really emotional. I said, this is awful. And so afterwards, you know, I was very happy and I clapped, you know, mm-hmm. and then I said, let's go. Cause I'm with this conservative, very religious sister. And she's looking at me like, you brought me here. <laughs> you know, she's draped and everything. And, and so then I get, I'll get to the door and Bilal says, you leaving without, mm. without reading. Oh, wow. He said, you see what I'm up against. Mm. And he was referring to uh, the education of our young people. Right, 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 right. right. I said, look, the, these kids are nocturnal. I need light. And <laughs> I said, I said and, and that incessant drumming that's just drumming so mm. loud, I can't take it with that my poetry. Millennium drummers. <laughs> yes. Ife, Mandingo, and I was known as JB back then. That's right. So, so I said, you got to get that incessant drumming. And then they asked him, and Bilal said he would back me up with the flute. He's such mm-hmm. a great flautist, you know. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, let's get this. So I forgot to tell them to stop drumming. I was trying to see in the light, you know, and I had just been commissioned to do this poem called Almost Majnoon, mm. which means almost crazy, almost mad, right? And it was a tribute to the war dead, children of the war dead, mm. before 911 and all the war dead. And I dedicated it to my daughter who had died. Mm. And so it's something that I am almost Majnoon, searching for you in the cinders of cement. And then and, and it goes on. He said, Have you seen my daughter? And she go and this this quest isn't just about my daughter, it's about looking for your uncle, your father, people that are missing because of the war and uh it goes to Manhattan and it goes to Zanzibar and it goes all over the world, right? Because war is everywhere. So that's the kind of piece it is. It was very I had just written it and I hadn't read it yet and I was gonna perform it at the International Institute. And I started it. And there was this one trumpet. And it actually held me right here in my mm. heart as I read it. it. And it would, none of that incessant drumming, mm-hmm. just that one beat. And it was so beautiful, it just held me up on that stage mm. so I wouldn't collapse into the piece, right? Wow. So afterwards, the, the young people swarmed me and they said, oh, they said, 
we didn't know. They were swarming me about my daughter. They were swarming me about, this is poetry. They said, we didn't know about this. This is you calling this poetry. We've mm. never heard it before. So I loved it. It was beautiful because I love young people. I'm an educator and this is what we have to do. Then Dr. Brown came up. He was called JB then. And mm-hmm. he said, that was beautiful, Samaj. I said, that was, I said, thank you. I said, was that, the drumming was really amazing. Who did the drumming? He said, that was me. Mm. I said, that was you? And he said, yes. And then I said, um, I said, well, I needed somebody who could drum 4-4 because this film was being made called Wave Rock. And so out of, the, out of my work, and he was a four, he knew the beat for 4-4 because I was always hanging out with the out meter cats like Farouk yeah, Bay and drumming, yeah. you know. So we started working together because he laid down the rhythm for Wave Rock. And okay. that, was, that was the beginning. After our first session, it went on for about four hours, you think, honey? Yes, and then wow. we took the trip to New York. Oh. Well, yeah. I guess what happens in New York stays in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what, ha- what happened in New York turned into marriage. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, great. We were, in, we were in New York because a, yeah. a, a world-renowned uh, fine artist, Jasmine Muro, was, was filming. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, it's from Detroit. Yes, yeah, right. Yes, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Samaj in, in New York City in terms of for her... Film uh, Wave Rock. Okay, this is uh, uh, based on Samaj's yeah. uh, poem Wave Rock. And, and in that, so that's and, how we got together. That's how okay. we got together. Thank you for and, that. And, I think the world needed to hear that. And, yeah. and, oh, thank you. And in that, in in that filming was a sister who was a fantastic classical Indian dancer, mm. and her name is Dr. Sananda Samadar Corrado. Wonderful. And she has. She's a good friend. A f- she's an anthropologist. She's my sister. And guess what? She's here with us. Oh, yeah. Hey! Hey! Oh, shock, sis. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sananda has taken to this work. And we used to work together uh, back in the day. She would um, interpret my poetry mm, it would be something so quite cool. beautiful and well, so yeah, like we, you, we've been like uh working for over 20 years together that's right oh wow yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right cool. like, and um, you, you've I been doing the dancing oh yeah like um we've been choreographing for a long time and and our work actually aurora and ella became um slam coaches and that mm. was the first year detroit slam team actually won hey. the, um, aurora harris and and ella singer Okay. Yeah, Ella okay. Singer is in Texas now, but she's one of okay. our sisters. That's right. Oh, yeah, wonderful. so like we were always working together, yeah. trying to dramatize and not kind of like have the dance take over the mm. words, but represent the words in body. And mm-hmm. it's, so, it's so beautiful. But one it's thing so- I want to say, going back to that epilogue, and um, this is a, a, a bunch okay. of academic women have said this. I have a PhD. This other woman who is interviewing you this Thursday at the museum has a PhD. And we were both yeah. saying the same thing. Going that that process, I have like writer's block. I can't write. No. Why and, not? And, and it really wasn't until I started reading Samaj's poetry that that primordial kind of, oh, <laughs> this is how I used to be. Oh. Not this is who I am shaped into, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so like, she opened you up too. Oh, oh yeah. And and it's just been weird because it's kind of like a, a spiritual following amongst mm. us who've made it through academia. Maybe mm. a couple limbs still intact, but but mm. at least our hearts and our minds intact. And mm. so this has been very healing for us because they took our data and they took our voices and they told us we couldn't write. Oh, and, and they as sp- academics trying to follow. 
a strict code of writing in order for that to be approved by academics to be then put into a specific place, which is like where they put journals. Well, let me just say, <laughs> <laughs> but not like writing, right? Cause like every, this is beautiful. Like, you know, and, um, you know, this is wonderful that you're able to, well, we have two examples here of people who have said that you opened them up. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. This and, is really and incredible. And that's the beauty of her talking about all these, um, subjects being dissected. That's mm. real fake. The real science is in our creative thinking. Mm. And I want to thank you for bringing us back to that. Mm. And not just playing method all day. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. And you're, so I'm always talking to um, Brittany because I was, my parents are both theater people. So I was raised in the theater. So I'm always making jokes about theater and things like that. And um, Brittany's always like, you know, we have this, this running thing where Brittany's always like, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. So you've come and have been able to embody the um the artistry that I'm speaking of oh. when I'm saying when I'm saying things like I really don't like the new poets or because everyone tries to do the last poets mm-hmm. and everyone's like trying to do the last poets but everyone's trying to do def- poetry jam but everyone tries to speak in the same cadence or they're trying to do this thing and it's funny you say that and but they're not really saying anything they're never like talking about anything and then now there's like this whole like erotic poetry thing that everyone's doing that's like super popular and so sexual well yeah but more but more just vulgar but okay and so um you've come and now you've seen so every time britney's like i don't understand i don't understand so this is what i'm talking about truly yeah this is what i'm talking about because she'll be like i i don't like poetry and then she'll play me some stuff that she did like and it was just like mind literally mind not blowing as i say literally it intrigued my mind <laughs> then i heard yours and i'm like I, yeah so we on the same page yeah, yeah. great yeah well, I, I think that has i've seen this kind of um uh, writers or falling into this kind of a a pack or a herd mm. type of way of writing mm-hmm. that everyone has the same cadence and everybody has the same four four rhythm mm-hmm. and everything uh, every the two and the four have to rhyme mm-hmm. or the one and the three and so forth. I think it's because I don't know why, but I'll tell you what I think. Okay? Yeah. Okay. As I said before, in my world, and I really believe this is true. You know, the word is one word is a tone. Right. So that every every word vibrates and it's really music. We're speaking music, right? And so I've listened to I'm, I'm a classically trained violinist. Oh, okay. The European classics. But my mother, uh Felonius Monk, Duke Ellington, uh Sarah Vaughan, also lots of African music. Uh also what else did you say? The blues. Um Lots of Shakespeare, Saw that, yeah. Indian music, all kinds of music. So mm-hmm. that means all kinds of tones. That right. means all kinds of language. Yeah. That means different rhythms. So you can have all these things going on in your head at the same time. But if you only listen to one type of music, mm. then you tend to speak or your writing may come out in mm. one type of form. 
Right. And so remember when they deregulated the radio, the radio, yes. when I was growing up radios, we played a lot of different things. Oh. Now, now they have urban programming and it has to be this. Mm. And so all of the fast music or urban programming has this. So now if those are tones and really those tones are music, then when you get ready to write, you're going to be right. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so funny that we're having this conversations for two reasons. I was, we had a conference call yesterday, Piper and I did with another young lady, and she mentioned to us that she wasn't complaining. She understood it. She respects it, but she was tired of trap. So fast forward to you having the conversation of why we are in a state of everyone is okay. Trap, 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 trap. Same type trap of lyric. Music. Yeah, trap music. Excuse me. Sorry. Thank you, Piper. The the heavy the heavy beats. You mm-hmm. know why? You know so that low all, vibratory sound. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned earlier that um, there are so many things that we are connected to. Alluded. Um, you alluded to there's so many things connected that we're connected to that we don't understand that we're connected to. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. And I think that it's just interesting. Oh man, it's just interesting and like kind of like a breath of fresh air to have someone kind of like peel the onion back and at the same time not like condemn. Oh no, no you know, no. no, it's important. That that's what's interesting is this whole idea of whether her poetry is poetry and that it was even a controversial conversation to begin with. Shows like the canon that we're fighting simply to express ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Right? Can you just speak more about that? Like when you say there was an an argument or discussion about whether her poetry is poetry, can you speak more on that? Oh, there's controversies around it. Um, Some some of them you can name by name, some of them you can't. But I'll Mm -hmm. say Dr. Telford at the very least has said that she's broken all the rules that he's ever known. About yeah, poetry, and yet it comes out with with so much more meaning than the words that are combined. Mm. Yeah, because you know? that's on a Dr. Telford show, uh, and, and mm-hmm. he did say you break all the rules of poetry, and then somehow you're able to combine them all back into a new form, which is still yet poetry. And uh, and then there was even questions about having um, prose and poetry being conversation with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, when, what when, I mean? when you say there was conversation about that, like, well, can you explain more? Like how the book should be structured, whether all the prose should be in one place, oh. whether the poetry should be in another, or no. whether they should be... Right. <laughs> that's such a linear thought mm-hmm. process. I think so, too. Yeah, that's such a linear. I mean, I don't know. I feel like um, that when what I see is that yeah. you're drawing from folks. Because like you said, you have so many inspirations, right? Right. And Shakespeare was writing poetry. Yeah, yeah. It was play form. But he had poetry, too. He had and, and he had like strict, what we would call like stricter poetry. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I feel that when and this is what i feel okay that when black women do things then people try to police right. the things that they do and try to say like oh it doesn't fit what thoreau was doing or whatever right or whoever just fill in the blank but i feel that in history and throughout different cultures because if we look to you were speaking about you know all of your different influences and there are folks you know from different you know backgrounds that are drawing from their cultural lineage That's so right. there's right. all of these influences mm-hmm. that you have 
that make up, you know, your your prose and your poetry. So just because you didn't say something like, I went to the stove and I want to mow, you know what I mean? That doesn't yeah. mean that's <laughs> yes. like that's just that's people's only understanding <laughs> exactly of like poetry. But like but I, what I do find interesting yes. is academics who study then saying things like like I can understand like my cousins that live down the street saying something like that but mm-hmm. academics it's like okay you're doing literature like who are you reading because the people that I've that I know I'm not an academic but I mean the people that I know you know are you know vast and we don't we're not this just little strip of you know right. inspiration the, the inspiration is coming from everywhere mm-hmm. that's right and so uh, Dr. Erica Britt who is an English professor and a linguist, I met with her yesterday for about three and a half hours because she's going to, I'm being presented at the the Mott Walsh Collection in Flint on Thursday. And she's going to be discussing the book. So that's what um, Dr. Sananda was alluding to. Dr. Britt told me it had been healing for her. Wow. I know she told me, she said she felt um, that the process that she went through uh, to get her PhD was really debilitating. Mm. And then to receive tenure, she just received tenure. She's a young sister too. It was debilitating. And she was, mm. she was so feeling broken. She said when she read the book, she felt healed. Wonderful. I, I, wa- I hadn't met her. I wondered why when I met her for lunch, she just threw her arms out to hug me. <laughs> and so I didn't know because we hadn't discussed the book. I didn't know if she liked it or not. I didn't mm. know. I was kind of apprehensive. I was like, oh my God, will anybody even read this book? I, I didn't know, you know, since I didn't, it was all my husband's intention. So, um, so she went on to talk about how important she thought the po- prose were for the poetry and vice yes. versa because it helps to contextualize mm-hmm. the whole kind of. She said, "There's a story it's like in a it. Quentin, yes. it's like a Quentin Tarantino film, not to mention him, <laughs> but you know how he's really unorthodox, but it's orthodox at the same time okay. mm-hmm. because okay. that's how the story should be told to begin with." I don't know. Or, yes. or how about those T.S. Eliot poems where it's like yeah. a three paragraphs of footnotes? Just yeah. I don't I've heard. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not even in the poem, the context. And, and we have to learn T.S. Eliot, right? Don't they force you to learn T.S. Eliot? Mm. Oh, we're forced to learn that poetry is <laughs> technical, right? Mm. right. I, I really, I really want to get with you guys <clears throat> just to give you a disclaimer about the Jay-Z in the NFL because it, 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 because it touches on quite a few things. But I really want to get into your I want to get into science specifically. You mentioned frogs. I want to ask why <laughs> frogs. And I can understand with you studying biology. I don't know anything. I'll tow Piper. I started on Netflix this random sci-fi show called Another Life. I loved it. I looked at the reviews. <laughs> everyone hated it. And I was like, okay, obviously I don't know anything about sci-fi. If everyone hates this and I love it, and Piper, I'm like telling her stuff about the show. She's like, Brittany, you know that stuff that was in Star Trek, like that type of thinking. <laughs> and I'm like, was it? And so I say Millennials all that say, don't know about Star Trek. <laughs> all I'm, they don't know is, about Star Trek? Honey, no. You don't know about Star Trek? Dr. Brown. Understand that what is going on here? Understand that I think that everything is a science as well as your wife does. And I've been studying hip hop. I probably have a PhD in hip hop. Well, I'm learning that I actually don't. Piper is gonna be giving me my PhD in about two years in hip hop. So I'm a little weak with sci fi, and I know it's bad because it's a part of who we are as a culture. I feel it. It's science. Like I get it. But yes, I don't know Star Trek. Sorry. 
But there are other millennials who do, and that would be mad at me that I'm not representing them correctly. Because like, there are a lot that are into the sci-fi. Uh, well, thank you for do, the. Do they like Octavia, Octavia Butler? Butler? They yes, like Octavia yes. Butler? I know Octavia yeah, yeah, yeah. Butler, but I still need to get more into her work. Yeah, I don't want to front. I'm not about to front. Yeah, you got a long life. You got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be teaching. So you were, you were talking about science. Here's a science poem. Right. It's called Light Spectrum. Okay. A masculine light spectrum, ultraviolet man with infrared tongue. Blinking vertical strobes, rockets shooting into my frontal and posterior lobes. Are you the return of the mothership? <laughs> the second Christ coming cosmic? Like astrophysics, I'm attracted. Like magnetic filaments. Like astrophysics, I too crave the charge of a positive cylinder. Like astrophysics, sometimes I go subatomic, affect chemical change, and then I remember... You are not my lover. <laughs> 20 billion miles from heaven, a breathing light spectrum reflects a dying sun. May I ask, how did my father become a colorless penguin waddling the desert sky, looking for his reflection in a falling star? He found your face riding the wings of Saturn. Are you the return of Jesus? The second Christ coming cosmic? At once, I am a child skipping into the light. I stumble when I posthumously remember that you are not my lover. 2 a.m. I become space traveler, swallowing constellations like a circus act. Your intergalactic girl, a victim of perverse gravity. First I shudder reckless twitches, then rapid frequencies. Vibrato lifting me out of this crater, I call my body to the other side of MC squared. I am combustion, hydrogen, helium, gas. My insides imploding, bubbling peroxide. I get ulcers waiting for you to touch me. Then I fatally remember that you are not my lover. 3 a.m., you become space traveler, a victim of reverse gravity, abandoning down bedding and this planet. You are a fleshless, balding supernova. Light is your language, an untouchable spectrum. 4 a.m., the tug of sonic vacuums pulls us close. Through time tubes we are drawn, our faces flat from the force. I am wearing a Victoria's Secret spacesuit, and you are hovering the circumference of the black hole. Into me you are absorbed. My skin becomes eyes. Asteroid neon eclipses. Science. So this is Samaj Brown, everyone. And this is her book, Bleeding Fire, Tap. The Eternal Spring of Regenerative Light, Conversations in Poetry and Prose. And um, we're so blessed that you've been reading from, um, you know, your writings. What, now, that one was written when? Is that oh, one of the ones that Dr. Brown said he didn't understand? <laughs> that was- no, no, that, that wasn't one of them. I'll tell you one is, it's called Dragons. Dragons is deep. Dragons. Mm. One by six. One by six. One by six, they scotch plat my walls and paper my closets. These obnoxious creatures' hearts and formaldehyde skin bleed, breathe no fire, but frenzy calm in lunch boxes. And it goes on. Mm. That's all I know. One by six. That, that's one the one you were like, I don't know what she's talking about. You know, I had to memorize it. You know, it was, uh, it was uh, in later years, I understand it. But back, you know, in 98, mm-hmm. uh, uh well, actually, two thousand and one, 
I didn't know what was going on with, with Samaj's poetry. Okay. But as time has gone on, the way, the way this book came about, uh, Samaj has been performing for years. Okay. And she wasn't really concentrating on, on, on writing a book, you know, mm. a real book. And one day we were at the, the dining table, and I say, why don't you have a book? Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, Samaj says, I didn't say it exactly like that. She said... <laughs> I said something like, why don't you have a book? <laughs> I did not say that. It wasn't like that. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't was. like that. Every <laughs> word is a tone. Yeah. And so, and, so, and then Samaj so looked shocked. I don't know what she was shocked uh, about. Was it my suggestion or my tone? <laughs> but the thing is, I knew that Samaj had all this great work that mm. she writes uh academic work Mm -hmm. she's got poetry like that poem that you all just heard that's from like 97 or so yeah yeah yeah. okay so this 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 precedes us even knowing each other okay Mm -hmm. so i knew that for this book it had to encompass all of her work and to do that you have to bring it together so i didn't have a word for i said i want you to write did I say prose or what did I say? You said you didn't say prose. You said I just want to have. You said I want you to have everything in it. You need to have <laughs> recipes and you know. And I, I said, mm. I said, what kind of book is this going to be? And then you said a book that's never been written before. Well, the recipes were just Come part on. of it, but I, but I knew it, it needed to be all of your writing. It needed to be your academic writing. You got pie in there. It needed to be uh, these needy men, like spectrum. Uh, uh, spinning of an American Woman, those the those, big the big ones. The, okay, Wave, Wave Rock, Rock the, yeah. the more recent pieces. It needed yeah. to encompass that. So I, I, I mentioned to somebody, right, right, cast tech. I said, right, right, write an introduction. Okay, yeah, write an introduction to each to each section, and then she wrote these long prose pieces. And I said, you know, don't you think this is too much? She said, no. She just kept going. Yeah. Once she had that going, now there's one piece that Smudge has not written. That I hope she writes. What's that? And it's called. It's, it's about your experience at Grambling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah With yeah, Doctor yeah. Miles. Mm. All right. That's the in terms of when when Samaj and her roommate Linda Overton they they decided to to, to go to class every other day. <laughs> That's right? interesting. Right. And and, and Doctor Miles just kind of picture this, you know, like a, a different world kind of setting. Okay. Doctor Miles uh, came to went, the dorm. Came to the dorm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, tripped Samaj out. T- tell tell us uh, okay. what Doctor Miles said to you. Okay. So I say to Linda, Linda is from Mobile, Alabama. We were once we got together, we and we're in. We're still great. Mm. We're still great friends to this day. She's just beautiful. So um, I came up with the idea. I said, Linda, you know what we could do since we're both major in biology? I said, I'll go one day and take the notes and you'll go the other day. And she said, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really ridiculous because we had nothing to do but go to school. Right. Oh, okay. Ridiculous. Now that I'm on the other side. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is 18 years old talking or 19. Okay. 19 okay. Right. So that's what we do. So we're both in Dr. Miles' class. And so one day, uh, we didn't have phones in our room at the time. We okay. had, to, had one phone at the end of the hall. Okay. And so they were, my room number was 808. So someone would pick up the phone and they would say, 808. And then somebody else says 808. And it would be an echo mm. all the way down. So I pop out the room, run down the hall, because I know it's for, yeah. it's for me. Hello. This is Dr. Miles. I'm in the lobby. Mm. I had not been to class, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll be waiting for you. So I was all scared. I was, you know, what am I going to do? I had to go down there. He sat me down. He said, what did your mother do for a living? I told him, what did your father do? 
What did their mother do? What did their father do? What did their father do? He went back generations, mm. generations. He said, do you know what it took? You took orientation, right? Yes. Yes, sir. You know what it took to establish Grambling State University? Mm. Prez plowed this land mm. by himself. And you know KKK is all around us, mm. and particularly in those days, right? I said, yes. He said, you know, the blood of your people are all over your hands. Mm. And all over your... F- I looked at my hands. Mm. I saw blood on my hands. Mm. It was awful. He said, and he said, and all over your feet. And then I jumped because I looked, when I looked at my feet. I saw blood all over my feet. What were you mm. going to say, honey? Uh, and Dr. Miles said, I thought you were what now? He said, I thought, he, maybe this is where the fire came in. He said, I thought you were... Uh, a, a, a flame of that we were going to be a, a fiery flame and just take off. He said, but I see... A shooting star. A shooting star. Something to do with the flame. He right. said, but I see you're a withering spark that's going to just die <laughs> out. So you ran upstairs and talked so, with Linda and what did you say to and, her? And so he walked away shaking his head. Mm. He was so disappointed. So I went upstairs and I said, Linda, Linda, Dr. Miles, he did it. And I told her the whole story. And she said, how do he know? And, you know, he's got yeah. And so I said, I don't know how he knew. I, I was crying. She was like, this is terrible. I said, Linda, about the blood on your hands. I said, I got blood on my hands. I said, you do too. I said, we got yeah. blood on our hands and blood on our feet. And um, I never skipped again as Dean's list. Boom, boom, boom. The reason oh, I want you to write that story is Shout out to him. Shout yeah, out to because Dr. Miles. Dr. Miles, Dr. Miles. The reason I want you to write that story because within that story it shows the commitment yes. of African American faculty all over yes. the country oh, for, for all yes. these years and decades yes. and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. So you know, and the love, the yes. love yes. for you know, he could have been doing anything, but he went up to you all's yeah. door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came and, and, and got and me, he, and he thought about. And I'm, I asked, I've asked you, do you think that was story was just for you, mm-hmm. or you think that's a story he had for every friend? That's a story he had for all the freshmen who got on course. <laughs> that is so that's wonderful. funny. Yeah. But two that's things. That's wonderful. Um, you mentioning that um, makes me think of my mom. She taught British Lit at Mumford High School. And so every year I'd be like, Mom, why do you have to keep rereading Julius Caesar? You read it last year. You read it the year before. <laughs> you read it the year after that. She's like, because every year I'm teaching a different set of kids. I don't want to lose my passion for it. So I'm going to keep rereading. I'm going to keep wow. pulling out something different wow. inside this Julius Caesar every single year. And I was like, okay, I get it. Mm. Wow. But before I digress, but yeah. you say in here, despite the jubilation of newly elected Komine Young and the eradication of the DPD stress terror unit, I could feel the undercut rumbling of the Detroit River surging through my veins, warning me, telling me, make like a salmon with imprinted fit mission and swim the aqua boogie. That's so cool. That's a cool way to put that. Yeah. Like, even though we got a black mare, even though I see a lot of things changing, something is telling me I still have to follow my own path. That's deep. I, I I didn't know, but we didn't know that um, everything was going to be deconstructed in Detroit. Mm. You know, this thing, this it, this thing, mm. this it. You read Cass' No. Okay. We're going to close on Cass' Yeah, Tech. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So just tell us, because my dad went to Cass' Tech and pretty much everyone in my family went to Cass' Tech <laughs> except for me. <laughs> I didn't want to. I, I wanted to do something different. Oh, good. But, That's all right. um, but Cast Tech is a very special place for those who are around the world. And if you know a Detroiter, 
they probably went to Cast Tech. <laughs> and um, Samaj uh, went to Cast Tech. And so this piece is dedicated to you. It's called Cast Tech Fish Eyes. Okay, it was invisible, 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 invisible. But my 14-year-old Funkenstein imagination could see it through these prophetic fish eyes, this imperceptible monstrosity, this thing, this it, locking gears in the vacant lot lagoon on East Seven Mile and Ryan across from Persian High School, my neighborhood school. It was invisible, invisible, but I could see its ghost-like outline through murky urban waters. This thing, this it, translucent monster-killing machine with Medusa-like appendages snatched that boy, Leonard, who lived two blocks down. You know Leonard, fed him to some unnamed, out-of-sight entity. My 14-year-old self told me this thing, this it, must be deployed to disintegrate bricks, implode interiors of my neighborhood schools, Persian High, must be deployed on a sea of cement, amphibious assault missiles sent to fish out a name to call itself this thing, this it, a name to call itself four decades later, a name like school to prison pipeline. A name like mass incarceration four decades later, but in 1974, this thing, this it remained phantom anonymous. Only my 14-year-old prophetic fish eyes could see and feel the grind, uh-huh, the grind, pulverizing asphalt to gravel, the grind, uh-huh, lowered, unhinged across the expanse of 313 area code. It was, it was invisible, invisible, but I could hear the grind, uh-huh, reverberating, whiplashing it, 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 confiscated banks and propped up check cashing fronts, it, it, held hostage small businesses and shoe rep- to the ravages of clown painted pink and orange liquor stores, liquor stores, liquor stores, as it discharged nuclear annihilation of groceries to the propagation of fast food deserts. This thing, this it, this invisible, invisible, I could sense. Despite the jubilation of newly elected Coleman A. Young and the eradication of Detroit Police Department's stress terror unit, I could feel the undercurrent rumbling of Detroit River surging my veins, warning me, telling me to make like a salmon with imprinted mission and swim the aqua boogie. So... So I did. I did what any magical thinking, violin playing, natural hair wearing, P-Funk convert, 14-year-old prophetic fish-eyed girl would do. I dove, psycho, alpha, disco, beta, bio, aqua, do loop into the fire of Woodward Canal, my fro, a thin fin-shaped blade, southbound hydroplaning to Second Avenue final watering hole of intellectual rigor, 
Podcast Technical High School. The green and white oasis teeming with technicians, throngs of wide-eyed, prophetic, neon-lit fishes just like me. Streamlining, genuflecting to the spawning of knowledge and mutating the ethnic cleansing legacy of its namesake. The radioactive regenerating generation had arrived rocking that 78 after the 67 rebellions, decades before Black Lives Matter. The in-between regenerating generation exhaled optimism of Du Bois' talented 10th pre-tuned to Atomic Dog. Bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay. For four years, solar fares, flares dropped from the mothership, guiding the pilgrim sojourn, awash in flashlight, uh-huh, and red light, uh-huh, and neon light, uh-huh, and stoplight. They swam from relative privilege and relative ghettos, back and forth stroking in automobile snow, surfing atop one, two, three ice-covered coaches, treading in bus terminals to transfer books into our brains, smoosh test tubes into our ears. We transformed into paintbrushes, turned into runway textiles, turned into polar bears, acapella calculus, grew syncopated eighth notes into symphonies, into guitar strings, dance, chemical metallurgy, and backhaul, performing arts, bio-distributive education, computer programming, aerospace, flying business, administration, defining a health and welfare state in a heat-fixed thought cauldron of science and art. We helped Sir Nose overcome his fear of swimming while drafting and constructing our architectural futures. Castech, Castech, Cast technicians <laughs> align like planetary systems and combust into radiant ring CT galaxy of regenerating generation. Energy as one nation under a groove. CT social workers, educators, ministers are being called. They're being called. You're being called to reclaim our remnants, rebuild the fragments of the reconstituted people from the dust and the debris from the cultural apocalypse, from the fallout, from that thing, that it, that invisible, invisible thing, that it, that it, that thing that happened to our beloved Motown, to our beloved Detroit. Those green and white technician starfishes Imbued with neuroplasticity, grew legs and climbed the corporate ladder and then decided to grow wings and flew from that corporate ladder. CT became a mogul, a microphone, medicine, best employees of companies, became the company and got married or didn't, got unmarried or didn't, had children or didn't. And lost children, or didn't. 
and came out or didn't and went in or didn't and got really, really, really sick and got really, really, really well or didn't and joined the green and white striped butterfly technician ancestor angels transmitting blessings from the cosmos. Castec, rocking that green and white, became a sports force. The military, journalists, activists, exemplar officer of the state, <laughs> became the state. <laughs> became the state. Became a brief, a deposition. Became the law. Became a poet. And tore the roof off. The sucker tore the roof off. The sucker tore the roof off. The sucker of lofty. Academia. (laughs) (laughs) And like homing birds circling their electrified destiny, or Halley's Comet astral shooting its return, we are the green and white Serengeti star migration. We are one nation under our groove. We are that radioactive regenerating generation who pledged allegiance to the F-U-N-K. Funk. Can you dig it? We are the electromagnetic elephants gathering here at the Charles H. Wright watering hole to drink in 3D and say, I see you. I see you. I remember you. I know you. I know you. It's good to see you. A pleasure meeting you. Hey, I will never, ever forget you. I, I love you. I love you. And thank you for affirming my existence. Uh, yeah. Samaj Brown. And that is from Bleeding Fire. Tap the eternal spring of regenerative light conversations in poetry and prose. Her recent book. And where can folks purchase this book? Well, the book can be purchased on Amazon. Wonderful. And we're getting it in local bookstores as fast as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah. And do you have readings coming up soon? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have one this Thursday. This is Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. So I have one at the Mott Wash, Founda- uh, Mott Wash Collection in Flint. Yes. And um, doc- with Dr. Erica Britt. Okay. And she's going to be discussing the book. And we've, um, it's ve- her insights are very, 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 very interesting. And so that's going to happen there at 6 o'clock p.m. It's free and open to the public. And then there's another reading at the library, at the Flint Library. Okay. On the 27th of September. Wonderful. And I'll be doing, uh, I'll be using, I'm going to look at the book in a different way. I'm mm. going to weave some stories so okay. that one poem talks about and goes into another. Mm. Oh, wonderful. So, that's right. And, and then, then your full production will be presented as a season at Marygrove in March. The full okay. production with the Arbulu and Dr. Brown performing and all okay. the other artists that Do you know when in with. March? Yes, it's going to be March the 20th. 20th, okay. 21st, and 22nd. Okay. Oh, wonderful. And, and, and maybe the 24th. It's going to Marygrove. It's now called um, 
the Center for Arts and Culture in Detroit. Yes. And so as soon as they saw the show that was at May 18th, that was at the African American Museum, Charles Wright African American Museum, mm-hmm. last May 18th, uh, Dr. Sean Nethercutt booked it. Wonderful. She said, this has to be here. And then, so this is really exciting. So we'll be doing a run. And the, the Bleeding Fire theatrical poetry production is based mm-hmm. on the Bleeding Fire book. Sananda Samadar Corrado is mm-hmm. in it, uh, Dr. Sananda. And she's a fabulous, classically trained um, um, dancer. Mm-hmm. And she interprets the work beautifully. Mm-hmm. And also, Dr. Brown's the musical director, and he's playing with um, our balloon. We have another wonderful dancer, Oya Lowe, and she does Afrofusion dance. It's just wonderful. incredible. And our vocalist, Michelle Jara McKinney. Oh, uh, wonderful. She, she makes it. Legendary McKinney family. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, working with her is fantastic. She's, mm. uh, there's a poem called Freedom Tree that she's, mm. she sings the poem, and it, it's really uh, quite amazing. So I have had a ball here. Me too. I have yeah, had this a is ball. great. Thank we have you. to bring you thank back you. Um, yes. closer to March. Right. All right. Thank you for thank you for giving giving us that energy and yeah. sharing those points oh, with us. Thank Isn't you. she fabulous? Yes, yeah, she oh. is. And this is exactly you know both of you what we uh, what we really you know appreciate about um, the arts in general is folks who are able to you know transform other people, right? Because you know it's one thing you know to say, oh, I am going to be you know, a writer, a poet, a vocalist. It's another thing to have people tell you, you've transformed my life, you've inspired me, you've healed me. So this is what the arts is about. So this is really incredible. It's amazing because no one's, I don't know about other people. I don't set out to do this. I mean, I just kind of was drafted by whether it's spirit or ancestors. Mm. You know, the poems come in dreams. And your loving husband. And my loving husband. Mm -hmm. And the poems are created in dream a lot of times. Wonderful. So, and they just kind of take you and make you. Write them. <laughs> and the way you read, I love the way you read. Mm-hmm. The way you read, that that's, you know, the best part to me. I mean, you're able to bring, it, it's interesting, they're, to me, they're both on the same level. So you write in a way, but then when you read, it gives it another life. Oh, cool. it, there's another dimension to yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know, because you, if you're just reading it to yourself, you would have put inflections in different places. Right, so to hear right. you read it, and then where you put the, the pauses or the inflections or... You know, the different voices like that, that gives it like another life. You know, it gives it some visualization. It makes it more cinematic. So appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. Thank this has been one. This. this has absolutely been wonderful. So wonderful meeting you. It's wonderful meeting it's you great. too. And Piper, you, you're, the work you're doing, just, it's in the stratosphere. I'm following you. Oh, and every time you. I'm like liking. Piper, and, you're amazing. You're an it's amazing oh, mentor. You. You're an amazing just, member of the bad community. Oh, she is. Yeah. This is like a uh, bad all around, amazing all around. Yeah, oh, okay, we some bad folks. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we. So then, where? Um. So with the Amazon, is it? Um. What's the? Do you know like how people can find you, or should they put your name they, in? They need to put in all of the title. Bleeding fire, tap the eternal spring of regenerative light, and it will come up. Okay. Wonderful, and, and that's Samaj Brown. Yeah, and it's spelled with S E M A J. Yes. Yeah. This is th- this book would be a beautiful gift to so many different people. Yes. And like, this is a great gift. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we have to we have to give these. We have to get some to give as gifts mm-hmm, to people. I agree. Yeah, we have to get some. We should get some for the retreat. Oh my god, that's such, such a great idea for, for the retreat. So we'll we'll do that, and then that was wonderful now. Um, your social media. I know you're on Facebook, and <laughs> is it is it is it more Facebook? Are you more of a Facebooker? Well, okay. 
I have beautiful young people working with me. Great. And um, they have told me, Mrs. Brown, you must get on Instagram. Yeah, I think so. And so I said, okay. Mm-hmm. As soon as the book is finished, as soon as the show is finished, and then I found out, then you had to promote the book. And yeah. So I haven't yet gotten it together to get on Instagram. I know this is terrible, but I want to be on Instagram. Yeah. Well, I, let them help you. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell her, just put me up there. Yeah. Because she has all the pictures and such. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so we have a presentational package. I'll tell you what we're trying to get into. We're trying to get into, and we're doing it, into the universities. Dr. Okay, Dr. Yeah. Sananda invited me into Wayne County Community College. Yeah. And that's really wonderful. And then Dr. Britt is U of M. Yeah. So that the students can hear this literature mm-hmm. and um, can we talk and we can have discussions about the subjects. Sananda, will you speak about why it's important and how this helped your anthropology class just for a minute? Again, I think the themes are so crisscross that students feel very little emotional engagement with what's going on. So, mm. for instance, I teach evolution, and um, even even the way it's taught really doesn't go along with people's beliefs or their abilities yeah, to ask about it or against it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, after teaching for Wayne County for nine years, I kind of have to teach against the book in okay. order to teach the book. Got it. And so a lot of it is a lot of social history okay. and a lot of interrogation to where race theory actually came from and right. how and why students want to know and it's erased from our books. Oh, okay, okay And so okay. when I talk about it and I mix these themes up with science, because another thing is because so much of our memory was taken away, mm. a lot of young people of color, all types of brown, to um, really believe science is something that it's not. Yeah. Science was created mm-hmm. to make us think that we were superstitious and not modern-minded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now science and its history of consciousness is, is beginning to realize that it itself is an adolescent. So for these kids, they don't really care about memorizing phylum, subphylum, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But if you talk about memory, if you talk about where this whole race theory started, and right. it started with science... Now yeah. they're interested in science. Yeah. Mm. Well, also, Thank too, um, just with that, what I think is really interesting, and there's another woman that um, folks should know about. Her name is Queen Mother mm. Oshundara, and um, she's in our community. And what's interesting, I don't know if you guys know about Fort Wayne, but, um, you know, in, in Michigan, and there's all these, there's all these, um, what do you call them? Like uh, barracks, because yeah. they had war and things like that. And so it's it's haunted, right, if you believe in that. But if you go down there, you will feel something. And the um, federal government, when they were doing the digging and looking for the mines in Michigan, yeah. they asked Queen Oshundara to come and, like, bless it and make things good with the ancestors. So the fact that the U.S. government yeah. asked this spiritual woman to come do that knows that there's something in that. And looking to, you know, Samaj's work and Samaj's book you know there is a knowledge right that she has that's an ancestral deep spiritual knowledge that and wisdom that um you know folks would not want to probably attribute to a black woman but Mm -hmm. that only a black woman has right so only a black woman could have like this kind of right the, the, the fantasy is the renaissance man Mm. Right, a, a jack of all trades, if, if I could say so. Mm. Uh, the, the fantasies that of a of a man with with omnipotent ability, but when you look at a woman with omnipotent possibility, yeah, or a woman mm. or, with unlimited vision, yeah. that's the actual danger. Yeah, and and the fact that this woman is is black, 
mm-hmm. and she's from here. She's from, you know, Detroit and from, you know, and now in Flint. And those are, those are, you know, um, attributes that folks want to look at and try to put into a box. And so, you know, the fact that she is unboxable yes. is really important. And it's mm. really important for folks that like young people that are going to, you know, Wayne County Community College, folks that are going to, you know, studying in these universities and things, it's really important that they see someone like Samaj, someone like Dr. Brown, someone like yourself, that they could see that looks like them, that represents them. And that is that, that even the representation Mm. is so important. And so, um, and, and I would like book, to support you in getting these into mm-hmm. different universities as well. For a book like this to come out now means that yeah. there's a lot of young people who want to rewrite history. And it's yeah. upon every generation to rewrite their mm. history for, for yeah. their own needs and for the future of their own children. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, so, so there, there have been, Samaj is amazing. She's inspirational. And there have been countless women before her who have been blocked off. So, Samaj is amazing, but I also want to thank the young folks for making a way for this voice to come out now because this voice was not coming out and it does not come out through the regular academic channels. It comes out through your creative inspirations and all the media that you've put out there to expose other people. So we thank you. So we thank you. And then we'll just put a period right Mm -hmm. there. Get the book. Yes. See the show. Yes. Support the social media. And then we'll 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 bring all of them back, you know, at some point to promote the next show, you know, in all 2020. Right. So uh, you've been listening to the Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. And you want to go to Detroit is different on Facebook and on Instagram and also to Detroit is different dot net where you can listen on many of our uh you know, platforms such as Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, Stitcher, Google Play. And this is Detroit is Different, Piper Carter Podcast. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. You can't rock it. The wave. I rock waves. Waves. For the tears of screaming fish heads, rock slaves. When the gel reflection will be a rock waves. Waves. How a toast for the visible assassins. From the spaceless places, colors flow. From the clown shell to my polity. Spaceless places, colors flow. You can't stop it. Join us October 24th through October 27th at the Andy Arts, 3000 Finkel Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, at the inaugural Detroit is Different Festival. The collage of sound, sight, taste, feel, and scent of Detroit from all walks of life. Join Piper Carter, Frida Sampson, Unicorns Are Real, Josh Adams, The New Kids, Group Text, Jennifer Crawford, Care Michigan, Audra Carson, My Natural Hair, Cornbread and Caviar, Kari Frazier, Sterling Tolls, Boldy James, and more artists. 
The Detroit is Different Festival provides you the rare opportunity to witness, experience, and familiarize yourself with the diverse subcultures that make Detroit different. Experience this all for 50 bucks. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com and get your tickets today.